For NFT newbies and OGs in Web3 alike, welcome to the Women in Web3 podcast sponsored by Weld Recruiting. I'm your host, Carly Long, and I'm super excited to help break down the barriers to entry in the space and introduce you to some leaders who are doing truly amazing things. So let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. Today we have Maha Abu Elinin joining us on the Women in Web3 podcast. She is a, a number of amazing things that I will let her dive into, but most notably the CEO and founder of Digital and Savvy. She is a Web3 communication strategist and advisor. She's got over 30 years of expertise in, in all things communication. So Maha, welcome. How are you doing? Carly, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing so awesome. I can't believe it's December already. Oh my gosh, I know. How was 2022 for you and Web3? And I feel like it flew by because the space is just like rapidly innovating every day. You know, I love change. Who likes standing still? So we have definitely been on a roller coaster this year, but it's been so exciting and so interesting to see the brands coming into the space, where people are thinking about Web3, especially when it comes to metaverse, which is something I love talking about. And then thinking about like where the industry is really innovating. You know, when you get in a situation where you have a crypto winter, you know, that's where the real innovation begins and you start to see some really cool stuff. Yeah, I I am just fascinated by all the changes that are happening in every single industry. For you, being in communications, what have you seen most notably over the last year or two with how Web3 has just come in and disrupted or yeah. changed or made people pivot in the comms industry. Yeah. It's so fun looking back just to see how the brands are doing their storytelling and they're pivoting with what's happening. So I think a couple of things, one is people invest in people. They don't invest in companies, right? So you see a lot of these NFT projects, web three brands that are really trying to tell you who they are as the founders, what's their story. Like they were an artist this is where they had their findings or someone who wasn't an artist who became infatuated with the thought of having artists get, you know, royalty. So they said, oh, I really want to be a part of this industry because now I can finally get credit for my work. So one is I think the biggest shift I've seen is like the personal focus on personal brand for some of these companies is that they're figuring out like people will invest in a project or a company based on who the founder is. So I think personal brand is a second is a big one. The second one that I really, really, and you were just at Art Basel, so you know, it's these in real life brand experiences. So a lot of companies were born during Web3 during the pandemic, and they were all virtual. So you were creating community on Discord, creating community on social media, doing it through Zooms and Facebook or, you know, live streams on, on Twitter spaces. But now we have to meet people in real life, or we don't have to, we get to meet people in real life. So how does that translate for your brand? How do you, what is your in real life experience like different than your digital persona? So how do you create that connection with the consumer? How do you connect create that connection with someone who, who might have an affinity towards your brand, but not know the whole history of you or your brand? So I think the second big thing is kind of in real life experiences and that brand experience for them. And then my third thing, which I kind of touched on the beginning is looking at like how they're communicating in innovative ways. Is it through brand collaborations? Is it through giving you access through utility, through the NFTs to meet them in person? And I think 
you know, even you'll see, and I work obviously a lot with V friends and I know a lot about some of the other companies and what they're doing. Cause I'm helping them. I'm helping them find the narrative, find the message that's going to resonate and get through. And so I think the companies that are really investing in that storytelling in investing in the community, those are the ones that are going to do the best and continue to grow and continue to win. Let's start with the first that you mentioned. I have questions for each one, two, and three. The first, you touched on personal brand. And this kind of, it, it starts at the beginning for us because I'm curious. I know you do the personal brand PR for Gary, what I think is the king of Web3, <laughs> Gary V. As many people know, you were essential to VCon. Was Gary your foray into how you found out a web about yeah, web three or how did how did you start learning I, I wouldn't be in this space if it wasn't for him and i think there's hundreds of countless people who would say the same thing yeah but you know i handle the communications for gary for the last now in december 20th it'll be six year it'll be my wow. six year anniversary but you know gary's an entrepreneur he's a serial entrepreneur so he's always thinking about what's now and next in culture, what businesses we should be doing, what brands should be doing. So he's the biggest teacher that I have. Like he, A, it's my job to do these things that he goes into, but B, he actually, the stuff that he talks about online about spending hours studying, learning, listening. I'm, I'm listening to all these podcasts. I'm learning about DeFi. I'm learning about decentralization. I'm learning about MetaMask and I'm learning about Ledger and, and crypto wallets. And I, I have to educate myself because if I'm helping tell the stories to the public in a way that breaks it down for people to understand, I have to put myself in that, those shoes. Like, okay, as if, you know, they always say, if, like explaining it to your grandmother or to a relative who's not in your space, how would you tell that story? And so that puts me in the front seat of, of figuring out what's the best way to tell it and break it down into an easy way. So one of the things that I would advise anyone listening to the podcast is if you want to explain complex things, make it relevant for people in a way that they already know. So when we started talking about um, everybody thought NFTs was about art, we're, then we put it in the same parallels, like everybody thought the internet was search engines. It's so much more. So if you give your audience a comparison to something they already know, then they can, oh, I see, I get it. It's not just search engines, just like the internet wasn't just search engines. It's apps, it's e-commerce, it's all the things, social media. NFTs are the same way. It's not just digital art and JPEGs. It's utility, it's access, it's putting things on blockchain, it's the web three, it's decentralization, it's an, an, and, and you can build loyalty programs for your customers, access to events, you can build sale. Like there's a whole, I mean, you know, obviously there's a whole world to it that we're still trying to uncover and understand and find out what's doable and feasible for the market today. At what point after first getting revealed to Web3, did you notice all of these capabilities and possibilities and, and understand, oh, there is a whole world? Like what, did you have a main moment or driver, whether it was like the metaverse stuff where you're like, this is the future and we need to hop on now. <laughs> Actually, it came when we talked a little bit about VCon, when we talked about ticketing, like you can get a ticket to an event. I'm like, oh, and then I hold that on my wallet. And then what if I went to Coachella or I went to a concert and then I get the collectible from that ticket and then I save that in my wallet and then people can go into my wallet and see, 
oh, she loves Taylor Swift and she loves Post Malone or what she, her interests or my interests are based on what I have in my wallet, because wallets are basically like your public brand as well. So what kind of clothes do I wear? What kind of sneakers am I, am I sporting? What kind of phone am I carrying? All of that is a reflection of brand and the NFTs you owned is a reflection of brand. Like, do you own a wow? Do you own a V friend? Are you a bored ape? Are you a doodle? Like that helps people understand a lot about your brand. And I just think it's consistent with how we deal with the world. We communicate through brands. We communicate through the things that we love. And, and that's a big part of personal brand is what you wear, what songs you listen to, what things you follow on social media, what things do you reshare on social media. Um, all of that encompasses understanding your personal brand and your style and you're communicating it through brands. I'm glad you brought that up because it, it leads into the question that I had about the second point you made where you, you mentioned digital personas. Yes. And I didn't have this written down, but it got me thinking as you're explaining just now how what NFTs you hold or what like metaverse you're part of and how that all builds up to creating your digital brand. How do you see digital personas and brands go? Do they should they be different than real life in real life personas and brands? Or Honestly, yeah, it's a really good question. So I think it's a reflection, like how, depending on how you approach it, but how you live in real life, you tend to share on your social. So your digital persona is basically an amplified, scaled up way of communicating or broadcasting who you are to the world. Now, when it comes to the digital avatars and the metaverse, that's a completely different question and area to explore. So if you think about Gen Z, like 60% of the users right now in the metaverse are from Gen Z, which makes sense because they are the ones that are gaming. They're the ones that are living in virtual worlds. They're the ones that have a more immersed experience. They understand the digital culture more than any other generation. They spend hours a day online. So we think about digital avatars and you see everybody now doing this Lensi AI app and putting in their pictures, like they're having fun with it, but like, hey, there are serious implications and consequences for your digital twin. Like, what does that look like online? How do you control what that digital twin is able to do? Like I might be able to go in and we saw this happen with Twitter, with the, with the verif verified accounts. Like, could I go in and, and make a Carly avatar and be you online? So there's, there's a lot of different things when it comes to digital avatars, but the digital persona is something I think everybody needs to pay attention to. If you have a social media account, you're a personal brand. And a lot of people think, oh, to be a personal brand, it means I have to be selling something or stand for something or promoting something or, or have a, a million followers. <laughs> yeah. Or have a CEO something or have a big audience. It doesn't, that's not necessarily true. If you have 10 followers, you're a personal brand because everything you put out and produce is a reflection of you. And that is your brand. Personal means it's to you. So I think it's interesting when you think about the digital kind of equation of how we do our personalities online. It's so important. Like you don't want to work for a company with the CEOs an asshole. Like you don't want to join a company where you find out there's a lot of reviews online that those managers are mean to their teams. Like you don't want to work for a company that's like has a bad reputation. And so having a good digital personality and online reputation is key. 
Yeah, I think oftentimes technology just innovates so fast that mm -hmm. people start using it. They get excited. Like you said, they're trying different things on. They're playing around with it without really recognizing the full impact of how it influences their now digital reputation. So that's a great point for people who are looking to get into the space. It's like, just try to be really conscious of everything you're doing or everything you're minting, especially yeah. because Web3 is like all about transparency. A hundred percent. And you know what? The internet's forever. And a lot of people will remember that if you promoted something or posted about something or hated something and then become like we saw what happened with Kim Kardashian and she had promoted this and she failed to disclose that she was getting paid to do it. So like people want the truth. They don't care if she was paid to do it. She just should have just told people like, I think that level of transparency is something that's not just required. It's just, it's like an, it's endemic to the industry. It's like the natural thing to do is to disclose your partnerships, to disclose your relationships. And I really feel that it's making everybody better and everybody stronger because with more understanding and growth, then the transparency just helps bring more credibility to the space. And with the transparency in storytelling, and how do you see that with Web3? Some people want to be doxxed and not tell necessarily the full story of who they are, whereas others are like, yes, we want to disclose every partnership. I know you advise both NFT projects and brands and communities on you know, Web3 communication, so what yeah. are some of those tips that you often give out if they want to maybe shelter a project until it's ready to drop or people are ready to mint? Is that okay? Or should they be transparent about their roadmaps, even if they're going to pivot because of the market? Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, a lot of people want to have trust and credibility in this market. So I would always err on the side of share what is confirmed. If you are not sure about something, so I really discourage long-term roadmaps if you think they're going to change, unless you're willing to say, hey, this is our six-month roadmap, but here are the things that we might change. Like, unless you disclose that it's subject to change, don't share it until you're ready to have it fully baked and ready for prime time, because it just opens you up to credibility issues, being attacked. And actually you want to grow with your audience and what better way to connect and build your audience is through trust. So I think one of the things we do advise web three companies and people in the space is, you know, measure twice, cut once. A lot of companies are in a really big hurry to get out and launch things. And it's a very poor process because ideas aren't fully baked. Questions aren't thought through policies, aren't challenged ideas, aren't ready for prime time. And they're just like, want to get out first. or they want to get out because they want to get ahead of the market. Cause they don't know where the market's going. So they're like, let's just go. You know what? You shouldn't base your decisions on all those external factors because it puts pressure on you to deliver something that you probably aren't ready for. So we really advise companies to just take a step back build the right strategy, do what you feel is right, and then be very open in your communications and transparent about your process and what's happening. Even by sharing with your community, hey guys, we're struggling with this tech issue. We don't want to put it out because we don't think it's right. Oh, wow. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for not wanting to put something out that might have a security issue or whatever. I think that's just really smart business. 
and it helps you win over credibility and trust. That's great advice. Are those the trust and the transparency? Are those things that you look for when deciding to join a project or be on the board of a, something yeah. in this space? I know you're on a ton of different projects, companies, the esports, yeah. metaverse. Yeah, How yeah. do you decide? It's it's actually a really good question, Carly. Like I, I want to put my name on things that I feel first and foremost, where I can bring value. So is it something that I'm uniquely qualified to support? And is it something I have time, bandwidth, and energy to dedicate me personally or me and my team? So those are the two first things I look through in, in kind of, um, picking projects or projects that come to me assessing whether or not we'll work on them. The third thing has to do with where the team and company is going. You know, some people just need help with the strategy and getting up on their feet and then off they go. And some people need more hand-to-hand -hand combat, building and scaling, developing in infrastructure, building out communications teams, training those communications teams, execution on announcements, building event strategy. Like it depends on the gamut, but, and that also basically is like running a business. Like, do we have the bandwidth? Do we have the time? Do we have the team? Is it a good fit? Is it a good culture fit? Do we feel like we speak the same language with the client? And then we can take it from there. But I, I really love being in the space. I feel like it is what it is not is the future it is now and i feel like companies who are smart enough to understand that they need to be thinking about a web3 strategy whether or not they execute it now or next year or in 2025 doesn't matter but they should be laying the groundwork now because things take time adoption takes time education takes time understanding takes time tech takes time. So building a runway to have the right strategies in place. So let's say three years from now when everyone's hot in it and we missed the boat because we didn't pay attention, that's the thing I'm trying to avoid and trying to help educate people about getting that, you know, groundwork ready so that you are in position to win and that your competitive advantage is ready for the taking. Being in this space, Educating yourself first on so much of this work and, and what goes into this new world that we're building. Is there anything that you've learned about yourself, like your learning capacity, your ability to take on a million different things? Yeah. Um, yeah. Any yeah. personal just takeaways or insights? I, yeah, I love that, Carly. So thinking about like, you know, learning and unlearning, it takes a, it's not easy to, I'm 53. So it's not easy to just like pick up new things, right? You know, so you have to really dedicate yourself to being a lifelong learner, which is one of the things that I really focus on. Like, how do I know it's hot in TikTok? How do I know it's hot in gaming? How do I make sure I stay sharp? I read a lot. I consume a lot of information and learning something new is not easy. Like, I can't tell you, I was like, did I just buy this correctly? Did I get it in the right account? I needed like, can you guys tell me if I'm doing this? What's this have to do with like, how do I file my taxes on crypto? Like, there's so many questions like you don't know and, you know, I, I try my best to study and I, I actually ask, I ask for help. A lot of people are afraid to ask for help. I'm like, Hey, Alex, can you explain this to me? I really don't understand. Like, what does this have to do? And what do they mean by this? And, you know, really understanding, like, how did that allow this to happen? How do they do that verification? Like you gotta be curious and get under the hood 
Um, so has the learning been easy? No. Has it been time consuming? Yes. Have I enjoyed it tremendously, but it's just this never ending mountain you're climbing. You just, you think you know something and then you get whacked on the head and you're like, oh, you don't know anything. With that, I think it's really important. A word that you mentioned too is the unlearning. I, I think it's a crucial component to just be open to things you thought you knew might look different now. Yeah, you have to unlearn habits of things that you thought this is the way things went. Like, you know, and Gary talks about this quite a bit about, you know, don't bring your web two brain to web three. It's a completely different game and animal. Yeah. So you really need to think about how does web three first thinking look like? What is blockchain? What is decentralization? How do we do the verification? What's in a smart contract? How do we make sure that we are able to add to that smart contract? What does the execution look like for the end user and the owner? What kind of benefits do we want to have after the fact talking to that? I mean, there's a whole gamut of things that usually with web two, once you make the sale, the transaction's done. With yeah. Web3, it's the opposite. It's just the beginning of the journey. Now they've made an investment in your brand. People can own ownership in a brand. You know, I can't own, I mean, unless I buy stocks like Nike or in these big brands, but with an NFT project, I own a stake in that NFT project. So then I have, you know, to be active in the community. I have to understand where they're going with the business. When do I want to sell? Do I want to buy more? It's a process. And so you really need to be leaning into the way that web three works versus thinking of web two and trying to like translate it into that new industry. That's such a good way of looking at it. And it sounds like from everything you're saying, you have such a good holistic perspective. So it's like for people who, who want to start working in this space, maybe you don't need to go like to the depths of the ocean on just DeFi, but it sounds beneficial, right? To have at least like a breadth of knowledge of all these terms. Yeah. And I think just start following on Twitter and then see what kind of topics and interests appeal to you. Go down that rabbit hole. YouTube has phenomenal, you know, uh, channels of that. Listening to podcasts like yours, you're introducing the world to a lot of people in Web3 and topics and industries that are really, really relevant. You know, there's a lot of ways to come into the space. You could be an artist, you could be a developer, you could be uh, an animator. You know, there's different ways that you can bring value. And it could be an engineer who understands how to write blockchain code. Like I, I don't know, but there's like so many industries that are tentacles and verticals of it that you can really find the space is abundant. It's diverse and it's growing, 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 growing. Last question. What are you most excited about either in this space, like for what's to come or something that you're working on? Um, uh, one thing I'm working on that I'm super excited about is my book. So that'll be out in 2024. So that's way far away, but it takes time. Talk about runways and laying groundwork. So we'll have to come back when the book is out. Absolutely. That's, that's a big personal thing. Um, the second thing is I'm excited about VCon. I'm not leading it this year, so I'm going to have a different experience. You get to enjoy it, to enjoy <laughs> like, it. as I'm a guest. So, I'm so excited about, uh, the team behind VCon 
that's coming on. Savan and my lane, they're amazing. And so VCon's going to be epic. Indianapolis is going to be off the charts. It's not my hometown, Minneapolis which was incredible. I mean, to have everybody here was so, so good. But I'm just pumped for the team, pumped for what we're going to be doing at, at the next version of this iconic event for the industry, which is just always just the highlight of the year now from now on. Um, and just doing more things in Dubai. So I don't know if you saw, but Dubai held a Metaverse Assembly um, I attended last year, so I'm going to be really active in that this year. So hopefully you guys will stay tuned to what Dubai is doing in the region. Absolutely. For people who want to follow along and see all that you're up to and try and get tidbits of what your yeah. book is going to be about. <laughs> and if they can't make VCon or, or anything in Dubai to just live vicariously through you, yeah. what sh what platform should they go on? I love taking people on me with my trips. I just took everyone to the World Cup. So if you followed me for that, you guys saw what happened. It was pretty crazy. Oh, my yeah. My handle on Instagram and Twitter are the same. M-A-H-A-G-A-B-E-R. That's my middle name, but that's how we do it in their world. Your middle name is your last name. But anyway, so I would be grateful to anyone give me feedback on this podcast or what you guys care about learning more about. And I'm so grateful, Carly, to be on the show. Really, really grateful to be here. Absolutely. We will drop your links in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining. We will be doing another one of these, if not in 2024 for your book, then before then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to like share lessons too of what businesses and brands are doing well. Yeah. Like just so we can take the playbook of like, okay, here are some great things brands are doing. What can other brands learn from how they launched it or what they did? We'd love I'd love to come back on and tell more stories about the brands and, and give people advice that they could use for their projects. Let's do it. Stay okay. tuned, folks. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Maha. You're welcome.